ostensibly a baseball podcast. Tonight is Tuesday, January the 26th. This is the B-Block. We're going to talk a little top of the clock, maybe some of the topics for you. Coming at you from Champaign, Illinois, my name is Joel. With me tonight, as per usual, is Sam. Sam, how's it going? Hey, Joel, I'm doing good. I'm coming at you, as usual, from Brooklyn, New York, where we are enjoying a little bit of a wintry mix outside. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's good. I was going to ask you a question about that, but I'm going to be honest, Sam. I listened to one of our podcasts from like a month ago. Cool. And you and I talk about the weather for a pretty extended period of time. (laughs) Cool. (laughs) It's just that we're just making small talk. It's just a small talk podcast. Right. This is small talk in the podcast. <laughs> it's just a couple of guys talking about the weather and like the latest episode of The Voice. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Just simulate what it's like to be waiting for the bus. Yeah. No, that's actually good. Let's let's put that down in the the mind vault of new podcast ideas. Small talk the podcast. I'll talk to the podcast. Um, I did want to give, I gave some shout outs uh, during our A block to listeners of last week's episode. Really want to thank you guys. Appreciate it. We had a couple others um, that I didn't get to. Richardson, Texas, Lewiston, Maine, Lansdowne, Pennsylvania, Bronx. And then uh, our listener from Hammersmith, England. I got excited when I found out that there was a town in England called Hammersmith. Like, nice. I imagine that's where some, you know, obviously the blacksmith from fucking Dragon Age or uh, what was the better version of Dragon Age was there. Or just like that's the name of the, there's like a metal band from there also called Hammerforge. Or Hammersmith, that's like, they're like, think they're dwarves, you know? Yeah, exactly, yeah. Like, instead of Spinal Tap, we are Hammersmith from the town of Hammersmith. It's just like black metal about elves and wizards and stuff. Mm -hmm. Yep, I think that's definitely true. Um... Okay, so let's start off, because I want to get back into the pizza wars that we were having last week. So, um, for, you know, loyal listeners of the show, you know that Sam and I both have very strong opinions about pizza, and that we talk about them a lot. And last week, on the application Twitter.com, some of my... uh, 
Twitter friends from downstate Illinois and the Chicagoland area disagreed with me that square-cut pizza is stupid and bad. And I gotta tell you, Sam, this is like one of the worst parts about living in the Midwest. Right. Yeah, give us a little background, Joel. Which part of the background? Well, just like your take, because you're the one who lives there. Oh, right. I mean, so there are pizzerias in the town of Champaign, and it's very common where I'll be hanging out with my coworkers, and usually it's like a company-sponsored happy hour. We'll be at one of these pizza places, Jupiter's or Monocle's, Right, they're they're all called like somebody's pizza place, and they serve tavern style pizza. And I think really the philosophy behind the tavern style pizza is that it's cheap and is good for like a, a a business outing or like a catering thing, because the pieces are super fucking small. So right. It, it goes farther with a large crowd of people. I think that it's like, that's your first tell, right? Like, it's like, oh, I want a pizza. Where am I going to go? The tavern? Like, give me a break. Like, you want tavern-style pizza or, like, pizzeria-style pizza? You want real pizza. Right. You want, like, pizza-style pizza. Yes, exactly. And the thing about tavern-style pizza that you brought up uh, in, in our text group, really, was it's like a, a step back for pizza, right? It's like if mankind evolved back into chimpanzees. Right. That's what I think tavern-style pizza is. It's like you, you bought a car, and it was a perfectly good car, and then you hitched your donkey up to your car to pull Right. And no, but and then here's the thing is that you then say, no, this car is better now. Now that I've removed the engine and installed a donkey hitch, I now have a better car than your car with a regular engine in it. Mm -hmm. Because it smells worse. Right. And the damn thing is... uh, we talked about this on the last episode. The pieces of pizza in a tavern-style pizza do not have the correct ratio of topping to cheese to crust. <clears throat> the ratio is all over the map. Exactly. What? And you know that, like at Luke that pizza Taylor, party, at L Taylor, Taylor twenty-two, he's the one who literally. Bought a tavern-style pizza, filmed himself eating it, and ate the corner piece of the pizza first just to show us. Right. A jerk. And this is what made me, this is what made me, like, realize that these people are the QAnon of pizza. Because he bought that pizza, took a picture of that pizza. That pizza looks fucking disgusting. And he's like, ooh, look at this pizza dump on the imp. Like, check this shit out. 
I'm going to eat this pizza and that'll show you. And it's like, nothing about that pizza looks good. That pizza looks disgusting. Like, it looks like they've used American cheese, like Kraft single slices for the cheese. And there's no toppings. Apparently they're under the crust. And, and like, this is the QAnon part about it, right? Is that like, that is quite obviously a disgusting pizza. Like, nothing about that pizza looks good. But he's like, look how good this pizza looks. And it's like, that pizza don't look good. That pizza looks bad. And they're like, no, this pizza looks good. And it's like, no, that is obviously a bad pizza. And that's, now, that's the QAnon connection. Clear, and that, that's the cult. Right. That's the cult where you say the sky is blue and they say, no, it's not. And right. it doesn't matter what color they say the sky is. Right. But this isn't a debate. This, you are stating a matter of fact, and these people are denying reality. Right. The reality that you don't cut a circular pizza into squares. Right. Nor do you put the and toppings under the thing. cheese. Now, this may open up a, a whole new kettle of fish. I'm not talking about deep dish, Chicago-style deep dish pizza. Right, which, as we've discussed, a is a completely different thing. Right, does not even belong in the family of foods that is pizza. Right, it's like a pizza-flavored casserole. Right, but I really, really like deep dish pizza. Right. I don't know if you do or not. I, Have you I'm like, it? you know, I, I'm not fully anti-deep dish pizza. But, like, the right. fact that it's, like, oh, what's better, New York-style pizza or Chicago deep-dish-style pizza? And some people are, like, well, it's Chicago deep-dish-style pizza. And it's, like, well, that's not pizza, though. So it's, like, an it's apples like, and oranges oh, sort of thing. Yeah, it's, like, oh, I mean, you can argue, argue anything's better, but it's, like, <laughs> it's, like, Arguing that apple pie is better than chocolate cake and also that apple pie is cake. Right. No. Yeah. They're both good, but right. one is not the other. Right. And it's just incorrect to call the pie cake. Right. Yeah. Uh, now, this doesn't even get into a conversation that we had in 2017 about St. Louis-style pizza, which is literally just like... Is it not provolone cheese? Provel. Provel cheese. <laughs> Which is what? Like cheese? What is cheese? What is provel cheese? I'm not sure. Uh, we we did uh, the research on it at one point, but I can't remember what it is. It's like provolone and mozzarella, like mixed together in the Colby Jack fashion. I think. Okay. Yeah, but, that's but I don't know. Disgusting. Mm -hmm. Um. Uh, but now I'm getting hungry for like ballpark food <laughs> again. Um. Wait. Okay. Let me tell you about. Uh, wait. Do you have any more pizza hot takes, or should we move on? Yeah. No. I just like was one. I thought figured that I thought we were building towards something there. You said I'm not sure. I want to bring it up like what's the connection between tavern style pizza and deep dish pizza that's my question i i mean i don't have a good answer to that i think 
that tavern-style pizza is actually a ruse. A ruse to get to let your boss buy everybody shitty cheap pizza and they build up like a Pavlovian response to it to think that it's actually good. Right. Just because it's like Friday afternoon and your cheap-ass boss. And that's the other thing that I can't stand about the Midwest, and I've said this on the podcast before. I moved to uh, uh, downstate Illinois in uh, 9, and the first house party I went to was the first house party in my life where I witnessed an unironic argument about Bud Light v. Miller Light. Right. Right? It's like the Midwest really does have this panache for, for loving clearly inferior products. Right. Well, you know, I, I agree with you, but like the fact that Bud Light is probably the most drank beer in the country. Like, I don't feel like that's, I feel like this pizza thing is like a weird fringe thing. Like Bud Light v. Miller Light, I feel like is pretty mainstream. You know what I mean? Because right, I, cause I feel like everybody drinks Bud Light or Miller Light. Yeah, maybe I'm just a beer snob. But right. I think that <laughs> like this pizza thing is just madness, though. Right, right. And, and I guess, you know, I love Cincinnati Chili. Right. Cincinnati Chili is fucking awesome. That's well documented. Yes. And Chicago hot dogs are, like, great. Chicago hot dogs are fucking like, amazing. Chicago hot dogs are really, really good. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm trying to think of other examples. Like, I guess I've never been to Texas and had, like, all the fried dough that they eat down in Texas or things like that. You know, regional foods that are weird that you go to somebody, you know, you go to somebody's state and they're like, hey, try this. And you're like, I don't know, that sounds kind of weird. You just right. you put chili on your spaghetti. That's bizarre. But then you, you eat it. It's good. Tavern-style pizza is not that. Tavern-style pizza is not good. Tavern-style <clears throat> pizza is just pizza made with inferior products. Cut in a bad way. Although I could see, like, I could see it being, like, a corporate, like, secret competition, right? Like, the boss buys a pizza for everybody, and then, like, whoever, like, runs in and grabs the good, like, all-topping center-cut pieces are like yeah. the go-getters, you know what I mean? Who will like screw right. over their coworkers to get ahead. And the people who politely wait and end up with uh, the shitty crust pieces are like, yeah. <clears throat> you know, I feel yeah. like there's a... And every time, every time nobody ever finishes, even though they say they love those tavern-style pizzas, they never get finished at those work shindigs. And everyone's like, well, somebody better bring this pizza home. And it's like, six pieces left and they're not attached to each other. So they're all like, like the crust. It's like somebody better take this box of crust home. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's like, it's like 
a quarter arc of the crust and then two of the <laughs> sloppy, soggy center pieces. And Ugh. you're like, I don't want that. <laughs> I haven't eaten in three days and I don't want to bring that home to my refrigerator. <laughs> And the toppings do suck because it's also, again, let's get the most uh, inoffensive, right? Because, again, it's that that corporate culture of, like, we got the cheese, we got the sausage, we got the pepperoni. Those are your only damn choices. Right. And it's at, like, it's not a Dave and Buster's, but it's, like, your locally owned version of Dave and Buster's, which is, like, those weird adult arcade Balls, you know yeah. what I'm talking about? Totally. Yeah. <clears throat> but not like the hip, the, not like the hipster ones. No, not like the hipster barcade, right? Like, no. It's like a sports bar with like a lot of pinball machines and like dance, dance revolution or something. <clears throat> dance, dance revolution, the basketball free throw game. Oh, yeah. And then like video posts. Ski ball. Skee-ball. But there's always like the one guy who's like goes and you don't see him for 45 minutes and then it turns out he lost like $200 on right. the video poker. Right. <laughs> right. Bob from HR. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Bob from HR, you kind of kind of has a gambling problem. <laughs> Oh, good times. Good times. Um, all right, so Sam, I tried something that didn't work out. Okay. But I, I, I think I've got some ideas. So I was going to make quote-unquote Vietnamese chicken okay. in the crock pot. Cool. And the, the blog slash mid-level marketing scam, possibly that I get all my recipes from, the lady was talking about how to get, like, the skin to be super crispy on your chicken. In the crock pot? In the crock pot, exactly. So I was a little... And she would, like, wrap it in in aluminum foil. And then I did a little more research. I was like, well, I can just do that in the oven, and it would probably be crispier. Um... So I kind of, I researched a couple different recipes and I ended up just doing like a mix of fish sauce, soy sauce, and garlic. Okay. And battering my chicken thighs in that, uh-huh. in a pan with aluminum foil and just baking that at 400 degrees uh, for about 50 minutes it took. Okay. And it was good. But I should have marinated them, like, overnight. Right. Was, my, was there like, any sugar in that? There was no sugar. Would okay. sugar have been a good idea? I feel like usually in Southeast Asian food, there's some sort of sugar involved. Yeah. Okay. Brown sugar? or yeah, brown or sugar anything. or maple syrup or white sugar, whatever. Okay. And so if I just, like, put that, it was equal parts, so it was super easy. What I liked about it is it took me, like, 15 minutes prep at most. Right. Um, you know, just chop the garlic, pour equal parts soy sauce and fish sauce in the bowl and spread it on the chicken and put the chicken in the pan and put the pan in the oven. <clears throat> and, you know, 
not the most delicious thing I've ever had, but it's passable. And if you want something super fucking easy, this would qualify. Right. I think it would be much better. So if I had soy sauce, fish sauce, garlic, brown sugar, what else? Hoisin sauce? Or ginger? What? Ginger? Ginger. I thought about ginger. Yeah. And then you could just put your chicken pieces in that and leave them, what, chilled overnight? Would that work? Yeah, totally. Scallions? And then it would, like... Scallions? Yeah, it's starting to sound like Chinese chicken, though. Yeah, well... You know, it's American. Uh... Anyway, so I want to try that again, and I want to, like, actually plan it out beforehand, uh, before I just do, I, I guess this is definitely like, I'll just try this, and it kind of works, not really. Um, but it got me thinking, I don't know if you know the answer to this. Okay. What is fish sauce? Fish sauce? Yeah. Um, well, basically, you just put a bunch of fish... And a bunch of salt, like anchovies, little baby minnow fish, you know, and salt. And then you put them in a, like, crock and let them sit there for a long time until they basically turn to soup. And then you just strain out all the chunks, and that's fish sauce. Huh. Yeah, it's gross. Yeah. <laughs> but it's also really delicious. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you yeah so it's, a, it's a fermented product so you basically salt fish and they basically break down uh through a combination of like the enzymes in the fish themselves and bacteria uh and it kind of just all turns to liquid and then you like press it also sounds like how the mafia get to the bodies. Yeah, totally. Yeah. That's cool. Well, I want to I want to try that again. I want to yeah. It will be on the list. I'm trying to expand the list of things I can make quickly and easily in my kitchen by myself, you know. Right. And uh, an Asian style chickens one. I want to try those Asian pretty similar recipe except more of a barbecue you know asian barbecue yeah flavors so do you want to talk about your mead that you've been making or trying to make well yeah man that might be better conversation for next week because it's not really anything okay. doing right now but i started a maple mead or a maple wine i'm not sure what it's gonna be <clears throat> um and i've been reading this book as you know the Art of Fermentation, about fermenting stuff. And it's the cool thing about the book is that the guy's just like, yeah, you just throw a bunch of shit together and see what happens. And it's kind of encouraging in that way. You know what I mean? Because, you know, this is a guy who's like kind of recognized as a leader in his field uh, through his, you know, lectures and his writing and everything and well-respected and everything in the book is just kind of like, yeah, you know, don't worry too much about it. 
It's going to do its thing. Just kind of throw it in there and wait, you know? So that's pretty encouraging. So anyway, yeah. I'm just trying something. I could see why that. How did the fermented hot sauces go? Good. They're, they're all really good. I got one that's now three weeks um, fermenting. I'm going to puree it next week. So it'll be a full four weeks. That one's really good. And the one that I'm working on and now serving at the restaurant is, um, it's like a 12-day fermented and then pureed. Um, and that one I'm still going to tweak a little bit, but it's pretty good. Um, okay. I got two topics I want to ask you about, and I'm trying to decide which one would be better radio at this time. Okay. You posted on our Instagram your steak uh, meal. Is that breakfast? No, that was dinner yesterday. That was dinner. That looks really good. You could talk about that. Uh Uh-huh. Well, I wanted to get your hot takes on different types of mustard for a couple of weeks. Okay. So, well, we can do I mean, both. That steak dinner was really simple. It was just a pan-seared uh, New York strip with a tomato and red pepper relish and then uh-huh. baked sweet potatoes with butter and maple syrup and roasted broccoli with lemon. That was it. How did you make the relish? How long does that take? What's that, that was not a long... That was just... I just cooked down tomatoes and onions and garlic and red peppers together with red wine vinegar and some of the red wine that we were drinking and maple syrup and that was it and salt i mean it's kind of you know instagram ready kind of food but it looks really pretty with the uh with the sweet potatoes i mean sweet potatoes are a very aesthetically pleasing orange food i feel like yeah they're they're very vibrant also, that picture, Michelle yeah. took that picture, picture and edited a little bit. Right. And she's like a right. professional photographer. So. Right. So, so that helps. That helps. That helps a lot. But yeah. it definitely brings out <laughs> the, the red. And then where's the green from? You said it. Where's the, oh, the broccoli? The broccoli. Yeah. yeah the green broccoli. Yeah. It just looks really pretty. And that's one thing you told me probably years ago that has stuck with me that uh, the the first thing you sense food with is your eyes. Right. And that that's like one of the most important things about it. Yep. Yeah, the phone eats first. That's what they say these days. <laughs> it means you got to take a picture of your food to put on Instagram. <laughs> no, I get it. I was just thinking about, well, that's, kind of, that's true and sad. <laughs> Phone eats first. Yep. Uh, Eli, that's Eli's saying. He's the one I heard it from. That that's pretty that's pretty fucking fun. <laughs> um Yeah, man. Check out the dump on the up Instagram. Uh Sam and his girlfriend Michelle have been putting uh some good food pictures up there recently. I took a whole bunch of pictures of rivers and put them on Twitter. Cool. Because somebody was asking about what river have you crossed the most in your life? And I was like, I've crossed lots of rivers in my life. I'm really into crossing rivers. Yeah, 
You're the river crosser. Yeah, it's, that's one of my favorite things to do. Just to uh, just to show them. Just to be like, <laughs> fuck you. Can't stop um, me, running water. I'm well, bathing you. It's fun because there's so many ways you can cross a river. You've got foot bridges. You've got uh, road bridges. You can take a ferry. You can swim uh, a jet ski if you happen to have access to a jet ski. Right. That is also yeah. a possible Amtrak. You could pay a sketchy ferryman to <laughs> carry you across. That's, yep, excellent. You could ride a fox. Yep. Or otter, perhaps. Yeah, friendly anyway, otter. If that, yeah. Do you remember uh, when our friends made that barge and tried to float down the Hudson River and got, like, a couple hundred yards down before it fell apart? Am I remembering that correctly? Yeah, it was a, it was a art project regatta. And nobody how worked. Down, how far down the river did they get? I don't know. There were a lot of them. And most of them were, like, ridiculous. Right. Not, not seafarers. Right. Right. <laughs> oh, good times. We should also do a, a river podcast. We got a lot of uh, projects we got to work on. Um, but right now I want to talk to you about mustard. Okay. So this is kind of a lame transition, but this is what I was thinking about. There was this book that Malcolm Gladwell of the New Yorker wrote like 15 years ago. That was just a collection of essays. Yep. And there's one essay I really remember that (laughs) it was just about food. And one thing he talked about, and this is like 07, right? So this is probably outdated now, was how in the history of condiments, ketchup, the condiment ketchup had not really been uh, expanded upon. You really only had your one kind of ketchup available to the common consumer. Now, I know that's not really true now, but even at the time, he was like, you can get dozens, if not hundreds, of different kinds of mustard. And I've always wondered why that was, why there was such a huge variety in your uh, table condiments of mustard, but not of the other kinds. Um, Well, I think that there's like a long history of mustard from Europe. And especially in this country, um, you know, Europe's a really small, really small area with a ton of different countries in them. And they uh-huh. all these countries have these like really kind of intense uh, traditions, specifically culinarily. So there's like you have your French mustard, which is different than your German mustard, which is different than your Austrian mustard, which is different than your Belgian mustard. But because it's like all of these countries are so close together, they basically have the same like growing climate for the most part, Uh or there's like a lot of overlap. So everybody 
um, has uh, their own kind of mustard. And, you know, a lot of places like France is a hyper-regional cuisine, and so you might have a, you know, Dijon mustard is different than Lyon mustard is different than Parisian mustard or whatever. Um, ketchup is a... American thing, isn't it? Ketchup is an American thing, but it is like the name comes from... It's actually a fish sauce in China called huh. ketchup, I think. And then... It was like, you know, they have a whole different, you know, the, like all of these things that kind of came from Asia, like were all kind of crammed into the same European, like centric, like the reason that there's Thai curries and there's Indian curries is not because there's any sort of correlation between the two cuisines or like like there's no common sort of thread between them it's just that somebody from europe england probably was in india and ate indian curry and then they went to thailand and they're like oh what's this called and they're like something in thai and he's like oh yeah curry i had that in india like india and thailand are the same thing right and so that's why we call and, like, that's just kind of the way that it became that way. Um, Do they even have the same ingredients or similar ingredients? No. 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 Maybe chili peppers. But, like, even that, like, chili peppers are New World plants anyway. So it's, like, probably not, you know? That's so crazy. I just, I was listening to a different podcast that was talking about like the history of colonialism in terms of Spain. And I was just thinking, you know, like you go to India and then you go to Thailand and you're like, what's this? And they tell you and you're like, I'm going to call this curry. <laughs> They're like, what? Right. <laughs> That's not what, <laughs> not what it is. You know, it's the same way with like borders, you know? Right. It's like they just came in and like drew a map and they're like, this is your country now. And people are like, what the fuck? Like, (laughs) yeah, Europeans are the fucking worst in terms of colonialism. Uh, (laughs) But mustard is a European food. Right. That's where it originates from. I think so. Um, I'm not even sure, actually, but it it could be one of those things that they brought back, you know, like a plant from hmm. Asia that they brought back. That wouldn't surprise me. What, like, as a chef, what, what, like, I'm trying to think of it. Obviously, I have no idea. Like, you know, what qualities do you look for in good cooking wine? What qualities are you looking for in good mustard? Is, is there, are there criteria that make good mustard? No, is there a like, international you know, mustard reading? I, you know, I it like if I'm eating a hot dog and like I have a bottle of French's yellow mustard, like that shit is good, you know, for a hot dog. Right. I don't know that, you know, I, I would use it too much in any other capacity, but like I think that, you know, whatever you got for whatever you are using it for can be good. Um, 
I like I really like spicy mustard. Like I like mustard that yeah. burns your nose. Yeah. Um, but you know, also I like Dijon mustard, and I like, uh, you know, French's yellow mustard, and I like the weird like pretzel mustard from Austria, and um, I I don't know. Yeah. I really like mustard, so. Yeah, must. I mean, it's really good. It, it, I just like that flavor. Like, I don't like ketchup, right? I right. have never liked ketchup. Uh, I only like begrudgingly will I put ketchup on my French fries, and that's about it. And it, that's only if they're bad French fries, right? Uh, because to me, like that ketchup just exists to cover up the flavor of something. Because that's all I can taste is the ketchup. But I really, I, I talked to you about this. I really like barbecue sauce. I'll put barbecue sauce on pretty much anything. Right. So I'm reading here the first, like, known, like, find of the oldest mustard, like, cultivated mustard seeds ever found were in India. And the first mm -hmm. recipes ever found for making mustard, like, as a condiment are Roman. And then in That's France. In... Huh. So is mustard seed native to both India and Italy? Or did they have to trade through like Alexander the Great or something like right, that? Right, exactly. Who knows? But it, I mean, like they found it in India, let's see, 1850 BC. So that's pretty fucking uh -huh. old. That's pretty old. Yep. Uh, and there's plenty of time there for it to get traded across the continent to, you know, the mm -hmm. Eastern Mediterranean. Go into those Indian baseball games. Yep. Cricket. It's called cricket, yeah. Oh, an artifact of colonialism. Uh, do you know anything? I mean, because then you do get you know, mustard in America, which I imagine is German and Polish immigrants moving to Pittsburgh and Milwaukee. Right. Or French and, and Italian. You know, and right. English. Like, Italian there's a big food? English mustard culture. Uh-huh. Yeah. Oh, I could see people getting... And also, like, Jewish mustard. There's, like, a lot of... Yeah. Like kosher. Kosher mustard. Because you put it on sausage, and everybody eats sausage. Right. Um, you know. I did a quick read-up on the ketchup history, which came to okay, the yeah. U.S. via England, who got it from China, where it was a fermented fish paste that they used as a condiment. And then the British started making it out of like shellfish and just cooking down shellfish for a really long time and then pounding it into a paste. And then that came to the colonies, to the U.S. colonies, and the um, and then they started making it with tomatoes. Because tomatoes are a new world fruit, right? Right. Yeah, from Mexico. Because I was like, how did China get ketchup, get tomatoes? Oh, it's fish, fish sauce. Fish, fish sauce. 
See, that's why I opened the show asking you about fish sauce. Right. I knew there was a reason. Uh, it's full circle. Full circle, just like a professional. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of ketchup, though. Uh, really? That, that, hmm. Yeah. That's something we, we, our next step is when we start doing real research for the show. Like, I am fascinated by the, that, the genealogy of these foods is really interesting. Right. You know, because like you were talking about curry, right? So, like in London now, getting a curry is a big deal to the point where it's almost an, an English food, except it was imported through their colonies, right? Right. And immigrants. <laughs> well, um, you know, when did we go? When, who was the first person to make, like, the kind of pretzel that you find now in, like, a bag of rolled golds that's, like, thin and crackly instead of thick and bready? Oh, Mr. Rolled Gold. Probably. Yeah, was it? Probably. Probably. <laughs> he was like, screw this big, fluffy, b- bready pretzel. I can make little weird crackers for two cents a, a bag. And they last forever. Hmm. All right, so what's on your menu for the next week? Uh, I'm going to make that hot sauce next Tuesday, probably. That'll be good. Mm-hmm. No real solid plans. Yeah. I'm bad because I'm definitely off schedule with my grocery deliveries right uh-huh. now. And so, like, yeah, I don't have coffee for tomorrow. I'm really worried about that. Um, but, like, because I want to do another chili thing, and then I want to try something new in my, my crock pot that I haven't tried before, but I haven't decided what yet. Right. Um, I definitely want to try something. Now, um... Super Bowl's so, coming up. Yeah. Two what, weeks, Super are, Bowl. Are you going to watch that at home, or are you going to try to go out and watch it? What's your deal? I'm not planning on going out anytime soon. Uh-huh. I, I feel so bad. I'm such a lame person because I'm like, well, it's a Sunday, so I can't really stay up too late. And I can't really get too drunk because I got to get up and go to work the next day. Right. And, and, and so I'm always like not – that's made me not too into the Super Bowl. Uh-huh. And that's kind of made me the – Call, I don't know if we talked about this on, on our last episode, the college football championship. I'm a big college football fan because college football is on Saturday. Right. But the college football championship is always Monday night right. in, like, the food week of January. So I'm always like, oh, right, it's 7 p.m., and I'm trying to get ready for work tomorrow, but then, fuck, right. the college championships on next thing you know you've had 12 beers and you're screaming at the television exactly right (laughs) that's when i get in trouble (laughs) so so yeah i will probably watch it but i'll probably just watch it at my home and maybe you know like with the sound off right so you don't have any plans to like make anything in the crock pot for the super bowl 
I haven't made any plans, but that would be a good idea. I should make like tiny little hot dogs. I feel like the crock pot is a product of the Super Bowl. Yes. You know what I mean? Yep. Like before the Super Bowl, there was no crock pot. And then somebody's like, oh, I can put buffalo chicken dip in this bitch. And like. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely about the buffalo chicken dip and bringing it to your brother-in-law's house and setting it down on the table. Right. And then, like, there, I've done my part for the potluck. Don't talk to me. Right. Yeah, I I was talking to Michelle. We were talking about it because we also are not trying to go anywhere or see anybody, really. But we we may try to have some somebody over maybe. But last year at the Super Bowl pre COVID times, we just made so much food it was ridiculous. And we're gonna yeah we're gonna avoid doing that this year. That's what we were talking about. <laughs> That's something I missed though. Um, well, the last year's Super Bowl was the last sporting event I watched at a bar before COVID. Right. Uh, yeah, I feel like we talked yeah, about COVID so, during the Super Bowl last year. Right, because it was just coming and we wanted to wear how serious it was going to really be. Right. I was, it was coming, though. We did talk to uh, Patty, though. Have you talked to Patty at all lately? Not really. Yeah. See how he's I should text him. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to find this one thing and then we should sign off. Um, about Jose Canseco. I had some Jose Canseco takes I needed to make. Um, we talked in our last episode a little bit about Kurt Schilling opting out of the Hall of Fame. And he's getting dunked on on Twitter right now by Jose Canseco. Nice. And so the Jose Canseco v. Kurt Schilling old man Twitter fight is what I am here for right now. What's he saying? He was saying, like, I'm trying to find it, which is bad of me, but it was like, you. oh, here I found it. Conseco tweeted, Kurt Schilling would be a disgrace to the Hall of Fame. And then Kurt Schilling tweeted, not nearly the disgrace you and your career was to the game. Valid point. But Kurt Yeah, but Jose Canseco's got a car wash in Las Vegas and will take people on, like, UFO hunting tours. Right. He also was the one who kind of blew the lid off of the whole steroid thing. So I feel like, you know, as much as of a tool and, you know, he, uh, and as much as he did steroids, he's the one who really brought it to light and should get credit for that. Yeah. Do you think he's never going to get into the Hall of Fame? Jose Canseco? Yeah. No, I think that he's be like past his eligibility. Yeah. I think he, he's not going to get into the Hall of Fame. Right. Right. He's going to be in a boxing match next week. Cool. Against two. Um, some YouTuber? Billy Hot Takes? Billy Hot Takes? 
Jose Canseco agrees to fight Barstool Sports intern. Huh. Well, that should be embarrassing for everyone involved. Exactly. (laughs) What is it like to live the life of Jose Canseco? I'm going to fight your intern. (laughs) (laughs) That also, it also like kind of smacks of like one of those, you know, like talk radio people who are just always abusing their interns on on the air. You know what I mean? It's like always pranking their, like putting a spider in their lunch bag or something. You know what I mean? Then like laughing at them on the air. But the prank is not... Right. Like this poor kid doesn't even know he's about to box Jose Canseco. He's just trying to get some college credit. <laughs> Oh, yeah, that's exactly what's going to happen. They're just hazing him nonstop. Right, right. And then it's on the air live that you have to fight naked Vigo. (laughs) (laughs) Like they send you out for Starbucks and when you come back, the ring is all set up. Right, there's like a whole ring and like your name on a card. Yeah. <clears throat> That's like some version of the actor's nightmare, right? Yeah, like totally. Your to job today is to have a boxing match. Right. And like he just calls, it's like, oh, I really think they're starting to respect me at work. And then he comes back and he's like, <clears throat> <clears throat> yeah, anyway, poor guy. Poor guy. All right, well, we should probably wrap it up. Yeah. That's what he gets for interning at Barstool Sports Club. Yeah, totally. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, we should wrap it up. Okay, so this has been Top of the Crock. I'm going to make that chili again sometime soon. Yeah, condor chili. Condor chili. I've got to just get, get the ingredients for it. Um. All right, well, thank you so much for listening. Let us know what you think. Uh, if you're listening to us on Apple Podcast, give us a rating, a review, and a subscription. Tell us um, why you think tavern-style pizza is like a crime against humanity. And uh, watch out for those cults, you know, Lauren Bobert. She's a friend of the show, Lauren Bobert. She's probably into QAnon, and they love your square-cut pizza. There was something, wasn't there like Heaven's Gate that always ate? Oh no, that's what we were talking about, Sam. Uh, the the reasonableness from Parks and Recreation. Oh yeah. The, uh, yeah. Zorp, is that his name? Yeah, Hail Zorp. Hail, Hail Zorp. Uh, and I think they like always eat the same food or something like that. I don't know. Yeah. All right. Um, you can also follow us on Twitter. My Twitter handle is at dump on the ump. Check out Instagram. Sam is putting up good pictures of food and cute pets. So get your food and cute pets fix on our Instagram page. 
Um, hi, ladies and gentlemen. Hey, thanks so much for listening. I hope you all have a good evening and a pleasant tomorrow.